watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm happy to be here once again. Once again, we are on Mutiny Radio, as we are every Sunday, uh, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Make an afternoon of it. Was a big shout-out to Luke, uh, the show before us. Really good show, uh, what's really happening. Listen to mutinyradio.fm. Start at noon. Listen to Luke. Listen to our show at 2 Maybe you don't have the time. Why don't you check out our podcast? It's conveniently acronymed L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. So just search for those uh, and uh, you'll find our podcast or just listen to us every Sunday at mutinyradio.fm, our sponsor. So why don't you hit that donation button or Venmo at Mutiny Radio. Carl, very excited. Yeah. yeah. Do we have a preference? For, do, do we like Venmo or the donate button? Does it lead you to the same place? I would say do Venmo. That goes straight into Pam's pocket, as it were. So, uh, well, she's, you know, if you have a Venmo account, you check that shit. Carl, what movie are we watching today? Uh, today we are going to watch Pound 1970. P-O-U-N-D, Pound 1970. This is Robert Downey Sr. Yes. This movie is like a holy grail for me, Carl. I've been searching <laughs> high and low yeah, and yeah. on YouTube. And apparently there was someone posted it a couple of years ago. So I'm really thrilled that we're doing this movie. We're a big fan of Robert Downey Sr. This is our third Robert Downey Sr. movie we've done. We've done Greaser's Palace and we've Palace. done uh, Something Lips, right? Renting Lips. Rented Lips with Martin Mull and uh, Robert Downey Jr. See, so, yeah, they're related, by the way. So very excited. Uh, this is the part of the show where we do the celebrity comedian countdown where Carl dredges up one of his friends from New Jersey. Carl, yeah. what comedian do you have from New Jersey for us? <laughs> okay, just before I get started, because I don't think you mentioned it, the channel we like, okay, oh, yes. Pound 1970, the channel we like is Javier Gonzalez Pons. Okay, J-A-V-I-E-R, right, so Javier Gonzalez Pons. So go ahead, click right Pound 1970, Click the link. Uh, look for uh, Javier Gonzalez Pound. Uh, he, I'm going to subscribe right now to his account. Uh, go ahead and click the link. Hit pause. Very important. Slide mm -hmm. it to the left. Make sure you're at zero, zero, zero. We are all doing it. And we're going to do a countdown. Now, all right, let's get back to the countdown. What New yeah. Jersey comedian? What Essex County, Bergen County? <laughs> <Southern Yeah. Virginia? laughs> It is so, not a Jersey comedian. It's from your neck of the woods. It's Steve Maison, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey. Steve My buddy Steve Maison. Hey, Steve. Hi, hi guys. Thanks for having me. Sorry, I sorry I uh, didn't didn't stay stay at home in Jersey. Actually, I've never <laughs> been to Jersey. I take that back. But uh, sorry, I'm not there. I feel like I'm disappointing people. If you've never been in Jersey, it's okay. You'll probably be okay, <laughs> but you are missing an experience. <laughs> What's also different about this celebrity comedian countdown is, Mike, you're going to be with us. So welcome to you as well. Yeah, Steve's going to be uh, joining us. Uh, Steve, Steve and I go way back. We're San Francisco mm -hmm. comedians and uh, great comedians. So it's, we just got off uh, a Steve uh, podcast. 
and we wanted Steve to, to be a guest on our podcast. So, yeah, you a- guys were fantastic. So, yeah, thanks for being guests on mine. And uh, yeah, it's always uh, it's always fun. Carl, you were great on the podcast as well. And Mike and I, as you said, have a have a history together, uh, starting comedy in San Francisco. Uh, I very close to the same time. I know Mike's been, Mike's been doing it a little longer. Just yeah, because uh, I remember uh, him helping me out so much when I started. Can we can we mention Ireland's thirty two real fast? Yeah. Were you there the night that a drunk woman was screaming and crying over Hugazian set? <laughs> and John Hugazian uh, put the microphone on the ground and walked away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was there, but that's a legendary set. And uh, yeah, I lived with John for a while, so in one of the comedy condos in San Francisco. So oh, I we are you talking about Twenty First Avenue? That's right. Yes, you 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 spent time there, right? Yeah, I lived with Hoogie. I got Hoogie in there. Uh, it was Ron Lynch had a uh, uh, apartment, and all these comedians lived there throughout the years. Janine Garofalo, mm-hmm. I believe Mark Marin lived there. Yeah, there is a Wikipedia uh, entry. My name's in Wikipedia, Steve. Thanks to that. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's and uh, I have a. Uh, my wife did a nice thing and framed it uh, on our wall in like our TV room. Of an article they did when it finally closed down, it was because it was like 25 years. Only comedians lived there, and they had a book in the apartment too about, like you said, all the all the famous comedians who lived there and yeah. went on to do cool things. But then an incredible, like a guest book, as well of comedians who slept on the couches there, and you know Louis C.K., all those people, like when they came to town, would come and either party or crash there. And um, yeah, so the 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 Chronicle did a, did a big article on it. Um, and you're, yeah, your name, I think, in the article as well on that. That's how we all end up on Wikipedia. Yeah, that's right. It was a, it was a quote from the Chronicle. I have a red mark because so, I don't have any entries in Wikipedia. Yeah. Thank you, Chronicle. All right. That's yeah. why it's called Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Now, there is the Maison Movie Club. You mentioned we were on it. We did Scarface. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that podcast, cast, how it was born, and where people can find it. Yeah, you know, I have the, like, they they say every comedian has a podcast, (laughs) but uh, I had toyed around with what I would do for a podcast forever, and then I realized, uh, and again, this is probably one of the reasons Mike and I uh, hit it off as as friends besides comedians uh, when we we first met. I, I find myself, no matter what, in every moment of my life, relating something to a movie I saw, you know, as, as, as something's happening, I'm like, this reminds me of that in that movie, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I was always talking movies anyway. So then I decided, well, if I'm going to start a podcast, it should be about movies. And uh, my mom is in a book club. So then I thought, well, what about a movie club instead of a book club? What about a, a book club for people who don't like to read? Um, unless it's subtitles. Uh, and so that was the idea. Uh, so each week I announce a movie and then, uh, me and the, the people who listen to my podcast, uh, on our own, watch the movie and then they chime in, you know, through social media, their thoughts on the movie. And then I also have a guest, uh, you know, interview each week. So, um, actually exciting this week, we're doing the Warriors. Right, right, right. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And I'm actually going to talk to Fox, the guy who played Fox, Tom Waits, who was originally supposed to be the main warrior. And I guess him and the director didn't, it didn't hit it off, Walter Hill. So uh, I'm excited. This should be, this should be a good one. I usually, this is, this will be a good one. I usually don't have people that were in the movie on the podcast. Usually it's, it's, uh, it's funny people like you and Mike uh, to come and talk about it that week. Yeah. Uh, so where do people find that on iTunes or yep, iTunes, wherever you, wherever you find podcasts, uh, iTunes. Um, I don't think it's on SoundCloud, but uh, every other, if you Google it, you'll it. come upon it. Yes. Yeah. You just put it maze on movie club. It'll come up and um, yeah, would love to love people. The great thing is it's uh, it's interactive. So not only do you do, do you listen to what I'm thinking? I, the people who listen, they chime in each week on social media and I include their thoughts on the podcast. It's a very savvy move, Steve, because you do engage uh, people on on social media throughout the week, and uh, yeah, so you know, I, it is. It's it's it really turns into what I what I talked about in the beginning is I end up talking movies anyway, so it's nice to on my social media page ends up being just talking movies uh, more and more, and so yeah, there's even there's there's people I'm sure who um, just chime in each week and uh, you know haven't listened to all the podcasts or stuff, but they're they're featured regularly on the podcast because I include their thoughts. 
Very now, cool. and then, speaking of yeah. movies, you've got your own. It's more of a documentary. Yes. Um, it's a very clever title for yes. the situation that you found yourself in and to make the documentary. Why don't yes. you tell us about that? Yes. So uh, I started comedy in San Francisco in the late 90s and then moved down to L.A. And I, I was about six years into my comedy career and uh, uh, got a cancer diagnosis. And, and it was stage four cancer. And they gave me a worst case scenario of five years to live at that point. This is 2004. Wow. And uh, so obviously uh, very shocking and uh, turned my life upside down for a little bit. And then um, I had asked myself, uh, you know, obviously, listen, I'm talking to you. So I've, I've lived past this worst case scenario diagnosis, but I didn't know that then. I, I had to really ask myself if I only had five years to live, what did I want to accomplish during that period? So uh, one of the things was I had always wanted to, you know, I got into comedy to perform on the David Letterman show. And uh, I think uh, as, as Michael attests to, a lot of times in comedy, you just, you just focus on the comedy part of it and yeah. hope the other things come to you kind of thing. Like, oh, someone will notice me. Like even, even in San Francisco, it was, Get good at comedy, and eventually the clubs will notice you and invite you to be there. Um, but I kind of, if I only had five years, I had to turn that on its head and kind of yes. pursue it rather than wait for it to come to me anymore. And so uh, I started up, at that time, it was a project just called Dying to Do Letterman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a website uh, with that where people could see my comedy. And when I performed at clubs, um, I asked people, if, hey, if you think I'm good enough, I'm trying to get on Letterman, drop him a thing. And, said, you know, I was trying to get attention so that they would look at me. And um, uh, eventually, a couple of filmmakers uh, heard about my project and uh, decided to make a documentary and follow the journey of it. So I had given myself a year to get on Letterman, and that's basically the basis of the documentary. But yeah, it's on Amazon. It, um, it won a bunch of awards at film festivals across the country. We're in Oscar consideration, and uh, um, it's got a bunch of famous comedians who were on David Letterman, Ray Romano, Brian Regan, um, Kevin Nealon. Mm -hmm. um, Larry Bubbles Brown of San Francisco legend. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it's got a, a little something for everyone. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's, you say cancer and documentary. I say I'm, I'm busy. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's not that kind of, kind of film. It's, it's, it's much more uh, lighthearted uh, and about me, you know, going to achieve this goal and, and what, what it would take to get there. So um, yeah. And I, I don't mind, like I, you know, if it was my own film, I'd feel weird bragging about it. But it's a, I'm not kidding when I say it's a really good film. I haven't met anyone who watched it and did not enjoy it. And uh, they're not just being nice. I know the, the people who would just be nice and stuff. Uh, I don't, I'm not bragging about myself. The filmmakers who make, it's like when you read a book sometimes mm -hmm. and then they make it a movie and people are always like, oh yeah, they didn't, they didn't do a good job changing it. Like it's my story. I'm not bragging about my story, but the movie itself is a very good movie. They told the story very well. Very good. We, we should mention a second spoiler. You actually did get on Letterman. I did, yes. Yes. Spoiler alert, it, it, it has a happy ending to it. Not only me still being alive uh, this many years later, but also... <laughs> you also got Letterman. But I, Steve, I, I was watching you when that happened. He gave, like, probably very curt. Like, it was professional. He gave, yeah. gave you enough space for you to perform. He didn't undercut anything. But no oxygen whatsoever in that introduction. He didn't, you know, he didn't tip his hat about your, your thing, but no. he didn't really give you much. And you killed it. I have to tell you, like, it was a great set. And Thanks, I've really buddy. seen, like, people uh, who have that opportunity nail it. And you did. And especially it was vindication from that intro. Like, he, yeah. he, I don't know. How did you feel about that intro? I don't know if it's brought up in the documentary. No, no, no. He's, yeah. So there's no, in the, in the intro, there's no, uh, and you can see it. It's on, it's on even just that without seeing the documentary, you can see in the documentary we show, because we couldn't, we could, you, you couldn't get rights to the full thing. We couldn't show my whole set, but you could show one minute legally under documentary fair use stuff. So uh, in the movie itself, it's chopped up a little. You see portions of my performance uh, mixed with me practicing it, how many times I practiced it before going on but on youtube you can just see through letterman and their company you can see the whole my whole set on letterman and his whole introduction that you're talking about um he uh he never mentions the 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 project i'm gonna be honest with you i don't know that letterman himself knew about the project uh obviously uh -huh. the booker the booker of the show did but letterman at that point was so far removed this isn't this isn't too far after the the kind of Letterman scandal with the intern that he was sleeping with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, within five years or six years, Letterman was off the air because he was kind of, 
you know, at the end of his rope a little bit. I knew people who wrote for him at that point who had never met him. He was, he's, you know, he's not a, wasn't a hands-on guy like that. So I don't know that he knew the whole story uh, before it happened. Like I said, if there, if there was, if it was Leno or anyone else, they would know the story before it happened. But Leno would be the one guy who, or Letterman would be the one guy who wouldn't know. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so he has a, a very funny intro that he gives me about I'm playing wise guys. He, you know, they'll usually plug a club. You can catch this guy at, you know, the, the Gotham or the Punchline, and and he he has a I'm working wise guys, which was the first one of the, my favorite clubs because it was the first club to really you know give me notice and and headline me and stuff. And so that's what I used as the as the plug. Um, and then he so he makes a couple jokes about that, and then as you say, Mike, he goes right into the introduction and say, "Please welcome." He's making his you know first appearance on the show, uh, Steve Mazon. Um, but no, yeah, no mention, and no one in the audience either. The, the, the before the show, the warm up guy doesn't mention any of that stuff. No one in the audience knew what it took at that point for me to get there. That night. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that's for the better. I mean, I yeah, hundred percent. It made me feel yeah like I did it just as a comedian. Right, uh, you're just yeah, doing your point, Yeah. Yeah, at that point, um, I'm still in the thick of it. That's 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 five years. It almost took the whole five years of that diagnosis to to, to make that dream happen. But uh, you know, now that I'm here, you know, this this far later, I was like, oh, maybe. What, what if I would have done it differently? Of course, I mean, this is hindsight. I didn't know at th at that point. I'm I'm pulling out everything I can, even to just get noticed by them, so that they would look at me in the first place, let alone get on the show. So. Um, yeah, would it yeah. have been different, right? Yeah, and then we should mention there's a book too, right? See, yes, yes. So the people who do the chicken soup for the soul series, um, uh, you know, uh, in the buzz about the whole project, and then the the documentary um, made it made a book version of it, uh, and it, it's written by written by me. So it's the the one actually full length book I've I've written. So uh, yeah. So uh, same title, Dying to Do Letterman. And again, it's on Amazon. I'll give you your money back if you don't like it. Watch it, and if you don't like it, I will say it. And you have to watch all the way to the end. That's the way Amazon yes, 100%, works. Yes, 100%. Yes, you must watch, watch all the credits. <laughs> it's just not fair that they do that. Okay, so we're going to watch this movie now. It's Robert Downey Sr. It is Pound 1970. Uh, we like this Javier channel. Uh, why don't you, Steve, count us down, and we'll all press play at the same time. Okay, you so now just to, you be ready to press play too. Don't forget yourself. Yeah. Right, and so we're gonna go on uh, three, two, one, press. That's how we're gonna do it. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Three, two, one, press. All right away we go. This is off the MGM uh, channel. You can tell mm -hmm. it was a little logo up there. Right. <laughs> Someone videotaped it. I now, love this that. film was almost lost forever, uh, but the cameraman's ex-wife happened to have a 35 millimeter print in her closet. It what? was, yeah, that's, they thought it was lost forever. It was so damaged that it couldn't be put into a projector. It had to be digitally scanned and they brought it back to life. And now it's filling up time on the MGM network. That's amazing. Right. Now, yeah, I've never even heard of this movie until you guys mentioned it. That's crazy. You never yeah. heard of Pound? Okay. No. Well, this is the first appearance of Robert Downey Jr. ever. Really? Wasn't he younger in another movie? Nope. This, this is his debut, and he has a speaking part, too. Unless he was an infant or something, but the internet claims that this was his debut. Wasn't he a baby in Greaser's Palace, remember, or the boy? No, he was older in Greaser's Palace. Let me just take a look here. Uh, Greaser's Palace was 72. Okay, this is 70. And he didn't talk in Greaser's Palace, as you remember. Now, here we already have our Stan Lee cameo. Stan Lee as in Stan Lee? Stan Lee. Well, this is a Robert Downey Jr. film, so Stan Lee will He's make come an in. appearance. He's calling okay. to Rodney, his missing dog. He's lost his dog. Steve, are you familiar with the work of Robert Downey Sr.? I'm not really. In fact, yeah. What, um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Obviously, none of these, these characters yet are Robert Downey Sr., right? No, he won't appear himself. Have you heard of, uh, of uh, Putney Swope? No. Okay, that's his big claim to fame, Putney okay. Swope. Yeah. 
That's a good one. It's about like a radical ad executive who uh, combines, you know, uh, revolution chic for advertising. And it's a it's a sharp parody. He's also famous for Mad Magazine presents Up the Academy, which Mad Magazine. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. did that. I've seen that for sure. Uh, Hugo Poole, I think he passed away. He's the avant-garde New York City uh, director and also known to be the father of Robert Downey Sr. Uh, Jr. And uh, we like his films. They're not they're not very good, but you know they're, they're good. not very good. Okay, now you can see that a couple was just shot on the street, and they were shot by the Honky Killer. Well, he had good aim because he he shot a couple honkies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's my bumper sticker, Hawk, if you're the, if you're the hockey killer. <laughs> so is this like cable in Israel? I don't know the answer. It's just, it, it seems like the subtitles are not part of the original film, right? I, of course it's not, but I mean the original channel. If you look at the MGM logo, right. it really looks like these Hebrew characters are superimposed, right? And no, no, I'm I'm putting money down. This is an Israeli MGM cable network. So thank you uh, for down, uh, uploading this onto YouTube. Now you see the woman in the chair there. She is the wife of uh, the serial killer, the honky killer. And she, the reason I bring it up is, remember in Greaser's Palace we saw Alan Arbus. Yes. Who, who Steve, you might know as the Doctor on Mash. Uh, she was married to him. So I oh. guess it was in the circle of people who knew Robert Downey Sr. We, we've seen uh, Rented Lips and uh, Greaser's Palace. Are any of those actors in this movie, Carl? Did you notice any faces? Yeah. yeah. Most of them are... Oh, uh, and no, maybe not. It's Putney Swope, I was about to say. Most of these Chafed Elbows, Putney Swope, Greaser's Palace, and Pound, you're going to find the same actors, and I'll point them out as we go. Yeah, I knew he was a. Uh, I knew he was an actor, but yeah, I wasn't familiar that uh, again, even that I had seen some of his work unknowingly. Now he's got twenty acting credits and only eighteen director credits. Does that make him more of an actor? I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, equal at least, right? Yeah. And what was that film we saw? Um, it Red was Lips? no, but the one with uh, Michael Michael Hall. Uh, Oh, is it, oh, Hell Caesar? Yeah, Hell Caesar. He was in that. Remember, he was the butler. Yeah. So, Hail Caesar, we recommend is a uh, is a rock band called Hail Caesar, and it's Michael Anthony Hall's band. We and don't recommend it. It's shot in 1994, and Samuel L. Jackson shows up in a scene. Uh, he has the same sideburns he had in Pulp Fiction, but he's not wearing that Jerry uh, curled wig. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So he must have just went across to the set and shot this scene and went back. <laughs> but Robert Downey Sr. and Jr. show up because they're friends with Michael Anthony Hall. Now, Mike, you see they're all dogs, right? Yeah. Oh, I saw her. will make them all switch to humans. Is she going to bend over again? Uh, yeah, well, she will be doing stuff like that. See how yep. they've now become humans. Whoa. Well, I knew that because that dog was wearing glasses beforehand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he had the same mustache. So this is like New York theater off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. Uh, yeah, and it's off-awful. Oh, Walt Disney uh, font. Now this uh, guy, <laughs> he's terrible, man. Um, quick, they find the comedian. Name the comedian in the room. What comedian got a role in this movie? I don't think. I think this guy. Uncle Fester. Oh, Uncle Fester. His that name is, Fester, is Lawrence Wolf, and he's um, he's Robert Downey Sr.'s favorite actor. Hey, was that the comic in the background right there? And there's no comic. <laughs> oh, is it, who's the comedian that does the boxer routine? I like that guy. I know he's... Connor Kellicott? Uh, he was in Brain Donors. He was... Uh, oh... I'll, I'll, when I remember 20 minutes later, I'll let you know. You'll yeah, right. Me. Brain Donors, the one we saw with, uh, or did we see Brain Dead? We saw Brain Dead. Brain yeah. Donors was like a, a Marx Brothers parody, like Marx Brothers type film where 
Mexican's a smart talking guy and a guy pretending he was Italian and then a mute. Now this guy talking right now, he he wants to he knows they're all gonna get killed, you know, because that's what happens to stray dogs in the pound. So he wants to kill the um uh the the keeper when she comes to the door. Now he was in Greaser's Palace. That's Don Cal Don Calfa. Yeah. So this is like existentialists. We're gonna watch him die. This, you know, I, I, Carl, I did some research on my own. Uh huh. I went to doesthedogdie.com. <laughs> that won't apply. It's listed, but no, there's no nobody responded. Oh, it, 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 the, the website itself doesn't do the research. Did the dog die? You have to crowd surf it. You go, yes, the uh -huh. dog died. Yes, it was uh, <laughs> gaslighting. Yes. Uh, there was now, you saw um, Weekend at Bernie's, and there was the hitman who was always screwing up. That's him. Oh, God bless you. Wow, this yeah. is good. Great eye. I could check oh, that out. The IMDB told me. <laughs> you look at other. You do more research than this IMDB and Wiki. Yeah, and that's you, right. You that's right. Deep stuff. Yeah, it's just that with Don Kalfa, uh, you only have to go as deep as IMDb for them to give you the bio, because he's really weakened at Bernie. Now look, look at, you see him look grabbing on her boobs, oh, right? That's, yeah. That's um Robert Downey Sr.'s wife. That is the mother of Robert Downey Jr. Oh wow! Wow. And she's getting felt up. So this is a dramatization of the conception of. Oh, here comes another dog. Yeah, but, this guy's shtick is he's like, I could have been a writer, but I never had a pencil. I don't know. This is kind of dumb, this whole thing. We we could listen to it. I mean, we, our show, we don't really, other than Hebrew subtitles, there's no subtitles. So uh, if it's a lot of audio stuff, we kind of miss it. But yeah, it seems like everyone's doing their own actory thing. Yeah. This guy's physical. Yeah, this guy is like, his whole character is, I am Jewish. I, I don't like characters like that. It's a one-trick pony. Now, he was on Pacifica radio stations, WBAI especially. Yeah. Um, and he was on a PBS show called The Great American Dream Machine, which was Chevy Chevy Chase's showcase. His name's Marshall American Efron. Dream Machine? On PBS? Yes. yes. Jeez, that's a deep dive. All right, I'll have to check yeah. it out. This guy was in Putney Swope. Now, Mike, even though we didn't see Putney Swope, you've seen it, right? I have seen it. It's, I, I, I like that movie a lot. I oh. think it's strange that the director dubbed over the main actor and used his goofy voice, but, you know, it's yeah. part of the, the weird, weird choice. I like that film, and I chased the dragon. I saw Mad Magazine Presents Up the Academy in the theater. I told you this. Horace's mom took me. Horace and I yep. went to see it. Horace and, Culver, you know him, Steve. You know Horace Culver. Yeah. Shout out to Horace. But there's a scene where the uh, general is getting ready to and for a party, and he has condoms. And he's talking to his dog, like Beetle Bailey, Otto. So he uh -huh. has this, like, Otto dog. And he throws the dog a condom, and the dog starts chewing it. And I just remember how mortified Horace's mom was. <laughs> she invited. The, she had two twelve-year-olds come and watch this movie. Mad Magazine fanatics, right? This is Mad Magazine. How can you go wrong? Right. Yeah. I still look at that movie. I can't find it. I remember it was all. It was all over cable when we first got cable. Wow. Yeah, I can't remember the. I can still even remember the artwork. Wasn't it? Was it was like you know a statue outside of the. The College Hall, but it was Alfred E. Newman, of course, Let right? Let me worry. Yeah, and there's like pigeon droppings on his right. top of his, yeah. 19. Well, they cut all that out. They um, intro, they they took out the beginning and the end where, where uh, Alfred E. Newman is walking. And I, I saw a different film. It might have been a film we watched, Carl, where there was an Alfred E. Newman uh, person walking around, dressed up as Alfred E. Newman. I did not catch that, so I don't think we saw it together. All right. Now, this actor here, I really like him. He didn't really go on to do anything. His name is George Morgan. He was in Greaser's Palace in Putney Swope. That's it. He was also in something called – no, he wasn't. No, that's it. He, I think he's really good. Now, he's asking this woman, are you scared to die? 
And yeah. what's weird and creepy is she will go on to die in 1971. Oh, wow. Oh, one year after this. Yes, but it could even be months away, depending on when it was shot. Yeah, when it's shot. Are you saying that that actress danced on his grave after that scene when he died? That's horrifying. <laughs> Her name's Louise Lucille Rogers. Uh, she was in Pound. Uh, she was in <laughs> The Goldbergs, which is a TV show, but it was 1940. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a woman uh, named, I've got her name, but it was a uh, Jewish sitcom, revolutionized television. To and have the, a Jews on television? Is that the, was that the revolutionary yeah. part? Yeah, that's the revolutionary part. There were Jews on TV before. Oh, no TV for, for Jewish yeah. people. Um, it was that just, guy, he kind of looked like the guy who you said died. Uh, he he kind of looked like a David Caruso. Kind of. Yeah, he's got that. Did it try to escape? Well, the thing is, it won't lead anywhere. That's what this movie's going to do to us. It's going to have all these segments, and it never leads to places. It's also going to have deceptive segments in which you think the plot is changing, and then right. you find out, no, it was all a dream. I, I, I hate that sort of thing. So wait a minute, we already have the honky killer. Yes. And then we have dogs that we know are going to die, so it doesn't really matter what they say. Kind of. Oh, okay, here we go, another upskirt. Now, I want to remind you that this is 1970, so yes, we will get an upskirt. Nice sticks, as they used to say. It'll be the boxer. His name's Stan Gottlieb. He was in Slaughterhouse-Five, but not as anything good. Well, I mean, have you seen Slaughterhouse Five? There's nothing good there. It was a good book. It was a weird movie. It's it's okay. It's a flop. I didn't, I didn't see the first four. Slaughterhouse <laughs> <laughs> <Now, laughs> His my favorite credit for this boxer, this Stan Gatleib, is a cold turkey man on operating table. He was man <laughs> on operating table, uncredited. Oh, so have you seen Cold Turkey? That's a no. great movie. Yeah. You recommend yeah, for my DVD queue? If it's on TV, watch it, but I don't put it on the queue. It's, oh, it's okay. Bobby Thank Parker. you, Michael. Thank you for being honest. You... Yeah. it's He's a preacher, and this tobacco company decides to do a promotion where if this town could quit smoking for 30 days, uh, they'll they'll give money yeah. to the town. I know it, yeah. yeah. That sounds familiar now that you explain it. I didn't – yeah. title I didn't. So maybe the doctor is jittery because he didn't have a smoke, and he's on. He's there's a man on the operating table, and he's like, "Whoa," you know. Okay, now here comes a dog, and it will be Robert Downey Jr. And when you see his face, you'll see him. It's him. Were those guys? Uh, I couldn't tell. Were they smoking pot? Were they, or was that just normal? Well, they no, giggled throughout pot. the whole thing. They were they were in the front seat having a toke. Yeah. Okay. So this is pre. This is uh, pre uh, Cheech and Chong. That's you didn't get a lot of that from. Yeah. Hey, there he is. You can tell from his goatee. It's Robert Downey Sr. <laughs> <laughs> See his glowing chest, right? Is a... Now, if you'll turn the sound up, this guy is a hairless Mexican. That's his. Uh, thing. We lay down in the southwest corner. He's gonna say. The lights go out. The wind is blowing. But we're all hanging on to each other like. One piece of fear. You can see his face in... Next Robert morning we go upstairs, there's no more furniture, the roof's gone, and so's my hair. That tornado scared me so much it made my hair disappear. Have any hair on your bones? That's his big line. Take a look. You're afraid to look at yourself, you're perfect. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's, his, that's the father's line to his son? Yup. No, this this guy was not a good father. You know that, Mike. <laughs> no, but he well, wasn't. He he got his son high on pot. At what age, Mike? Oh, uh, I don't, are we talking about Robert Downey Sr.? Yeah, gave yeah. A joints often. I don't know often. I can't say that, but he definitely got Robert Downey Jr. high as a little boy, younger than eight. All I know is Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf, and uh, his father got him high at 12. So that's all I really know. Come on, Mike. You do know. <laughs> Robert Downey Sr. was a skunk who got his kid high. It's true. Listen, nothing bad happened to his kid. Sure, he How went about to the, Was the mom in on it? Obviously, they were pretty close at this point. Well, they got divorced. I have to look up when. Uh, 
but uh, the mom was in the picture, yes. Uh, yeah, getting they built didn't up, right? Divorced until the 80s. So, yes, okay. the mom was there. So, we changed the storyline now, right? Now we have humans or are these dogs at the airport? Well, no, see, that's one of the things that bothers me about this film. These two are in the pound, in the cell, talking. And Robert Downey Sr. has taken us out of there and put them at uh, LaGuardia Airport for some reason. You can't smoke in the pound. You can smoke at the airport. <laughs> right. Smoke at the airport. This is going to be like Lost, right? Like, what's what's really happening? Yeah. Do they have, do they have to go back, Carl? They back They're not. They never left. They're really there. And and also, it, it's pointless. It's going to turn into like a – they're going to – make out to the point of having sex it's just dumb i don't know this whole film is kind of dumb it's parody and satire it's something i call par satire uh -huh. where they're showing the microcosm of human nature uh, through the the behavior of help me out steve i'm lost yeah no no no. i was i was i, was, <laughs> I know the genre you're talking about uh but yeah i can't describe it as well but yeah it's a it's a whole uh sub genre that uh it's very popular especially around this time Ooh, finally, it earns its non-rating. Yeah. Who's who is she, uh, Carl? Do you have any? Her uh, name's uh, Carolyn Groves, and she really doesn't have much to her credits. But she was in Six Degrees of Separation in '93. Hmm. Huh. And what's interesting about her is in '61 she was in the show called Way Out. Way Out was a was a like a macabre kind of thing. It was a TV show hosted by Roll Dahl, of all interesting people. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful. That's what I would expect her to do. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's, prob that's probably the one example of Jews not being on TV. It was Ron, Ron Dahl's television show. <laughs> <laughs> it was in his contract. It's a cool name, Way Out. It makes me think of the Flintstones when they had that band called The Way Out. Yeah. yeah. And, um, she was on. She was in Dark Shadows in 1966, which was that like horror TV show. Right. Doesn't have vampires. much credits, but uh, you're right that she's very pretty. And um, I don't know. I just think Way Out was interesting. That was an interesting series. I guess, was it an anthology? Was it like Hello, I'm Ron Dahl? I've I've never seen it. It just it it purports itself to be macabre, and you can see when you. It's not in front of me right now, but when you saw the like ad for the TV show, it was something creepy and horror esque. I think horror might have been her little uh, niche. But she definitely, she definitely has the hair for somebody from Dark Shadows. Yeah, I caught that. There's a uh, there's a antenna TV station that I pick up that uh, that every once in a while has some Dark Shadow episodes on, and yeah, kind of fun to. That's cool, Steve. You have rabbit ears. Rabbit ears, yeah, still going. <laughs> like Dark Shadow shows up. You're watching Dark Shadow. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it's not being shown. Maybe I'm gonna because I'm have have that antenna. Maybe it's yeah. taking me back to when that antenna was popular. Do you have um, horizontal hold and vertical hold? And <laughs> <laughs> I got to switch when I put my Atari in. I got to go switch TV or game. <laughs> the whole thing. How many seconds for the little light to disappear when you turn it off? <laughs> yeah, three or four. Now we're having like another, like he takes us somewhere else. They're they're all like at a meeting of like the workers' party now, and oh yeah, there's the they're fez. All dressed up weird. Yeah, the fez. You saw the fez. That's um, uh, Don Kalfa again. I it's his mustache. That Bernie right. might see his face. Yeah, he looks familiar. Was he on Barney Miller, Carl? No, no, that he wasn't. He does he, have that look. Yeah, someone would be on there. Yeah. Oh, look at this. It's seventy. It's nineteen seventy. They're scabs. Proud scabs. Yeah, they're. Right. They've they've, they've they they like uh, like today with the N word. They they have taken the scab work back. They they don't. It's not derogatory. It's on their their flag there. Super cool athletic. Band. Now they're doing a song. It's so seventy. 
his well, sixties, like experimental theater. Yeah. Oh. Now listen, obviously these people, uh, the Downies themselves, getting filled, filled up and, and writing. Did he write this as well, or just? Yeah, just, he wrote it. Yeah. So obviously, listen, they're smoking pot along with their son, and uh, yeah. But it always cracks me up that then when it's portrayed on uh, in the movie. Like, it's two goofballs in the front seat, like, going crazy like Cheech and Chong. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but you wrote this on that. Like, you, it had to be much more calm. You know what I mean? The, the portrayal yeah. of, of of potheads, it's never just That's a cool the killer, show. by the way. Yeah. But oh. coincidentally, he walked past. Oh. Okay. How many times have you seen this movie, Carl? I know you have to watch these films repeatedly. This is my fourth time. I'm sorry, Deborah Ford. So... This guy was robbing the pound keeper, but she didn't have any money. So he's like, well, she goes, all I have is dogs. He goes, worth anything? So he's come here to steal Robert Downey Jr., who now has his second speaking line. They're all going to die, he says. Let's see if we can catch it. Oh, no, I guess we missed it. Now, the this is one of the only funny things about the film, because he came there to rob her. And she goes, that'll be $5. And she's like, say what? She goes, that'll be $5 for the pooch. Money she pays. have any money. And he, then he pays her. And wait, that's the killer, the honky killer behind No, him. no, no, no. That's just his criminal partner. Oh, his backup guy. Checking, checking for cops during this town robbery. Listen, I got a barking dog and no one letting him in, so I got to go let him in. Now, sure. if you listen to this, he, he – oh, well, it's too late, I guess. He just consents and gives her – oh, here's – Yeah, he's giving her now. He sees. Well, there we go. There's a joke. He's a, she's a very early Marsha Warfield for the, the, uh, yeah. from uh, Night Court. Night Court. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm going to get uh, – this is how business is done here. Well, that's it for those guys. Dog thieves have left the movie. Good job, Wallace. Good job. Well, I want to thank the crew first and foremost. Pound I wonder away. if it ever was a suggestion that they would all be nude, since you know the dogs are nude. You would figure this would be the the appropriate uh, place for everyone to get naked, yeah. pretending to be dogs in the pound. Oh boy, was my dog glad to see me. Now, these two are interesting, okay? The one on the right is famous for being a tap dancer, of all things. Hmm. The one on the left was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He was in The Sting. He was in Policewoman TV series. Let me find this tap dancer story. It's interesting. Yeah, all these guys, all these actors look so familiar. Yeah, their sideburns are familiar. <laughs> it's true. It looks like he gave up halfway through with that sideburn. You know, so one of, one of the things, Steve, I like about your show is that you ask for porn names for the yes. movie you're watching. So we're watching Pound, and I think I wrote, I got, I got a porn name. <laughs> is it? Is there any change? No, actually, did I tell you this one already? It's Pound. It is Pound. It is Pound. It's Pound. Pound. <laughs> Doggy style, that's probably a follow-up. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to well, go with uh, E-Hound. E-Hound? Yeah, there you go. Put just, add an, just add an H in there and see if that... Ah, here it is. His name's Chuck Green, and he's playing the part of Mutt, and he's a tap dancer. When he was nine, he was brought to New York by a talent scout to study tan tap dancing. A famous talent agent, Nat Nazaro, signed Green up as a client when he was just 12 years old. He and his childhood friend James Walker teamed up and called themselves Shorty and Slim. Walker mm. was a talented comic dancer and would would um, they changed their name to this and that. They played New York's Palace Theater until 1944. They toured Europe, Australia, U.S., Radio City Music Hall, the Paramount, Apollo, Capitol Theater. Jobs were plentiful. Five stage shows a day, playing nightclubs until early morning and touring nonstop with big bands across the country and abroad. 
1944, due to Green's stress, the team broke up and Green was committed to a mental institution where he stayed for 15 years. Wow. Man. And now he's out and being in town. What a Where's life. Where's he singing at him and he's... Is this guy acting like Hitler, the guy with the Hitler mustache? Uh, he did do that bit. You saw it earlier when they were in their workers group. No, right now he's uh, saying, um, if you give me some iced tea, I will impregnate you and it will be the Messiah. It's stupid. It's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. Give it a listen if you want. <laughs> Uh, next time, right. next time there's some two people talking to each other, turn it on. I guarantee you it's nonsense. All right, challenge accepted. I told you to take it easy, but when I see him, he was restless. I didn't say nothing. Come on. You took your purple heart down at a pawn shop. Did I say anything? What yeah, are you said something about the time I took my purple heart to the pawn shop. I'm like, how much can I get for this? Like, oh, I don't know. The war's not that popular. So, uh, <laughs> a dollar? And I'm like, wow, 1970s dollar? Better than I took Purple Heart. Let me just say, uh, my, uh, my sync with your you turning up the sound is, is dead on. We, <laughs> we'll hit play at the right time if, if, if there's no other success to this. Then great yeah. countdown. Yes. Okay, you now know, we're uh, going to see the honker, honky killer gets another victim as these two innocent people who are doing it in public will get mm -hmm. Oh, I thought she was dying. Oh, I, was shot. I thought they were dogs. We're, we're now with two irrelevant actors. They're not even credited in the film, and they will be shot by the honky killer. Is that the honky killer? Yes. Man. Well, he's taking his time. He's okay, wish so I'm born. They're interviewing Robert Downey Sr., right? And he says, who's the best actor you ever worked for, worked with? He goes, there's this bald-headed guy in a lot of my films called Larry Wolf. He's the best. I didn't have to say much to them. He says, much to him, he says, I got it, and then goes and does something else. He's great. <laughs> Crazy. Well, they're in sync. Uh, Look at that. Just got him right and go. After midnight, we gonna let it all hang on. Hey, you guys ever get shot while having sex? It is such a fucking rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you, if you liked getting choked, you'll love getting you'll shot. You'll love getting shot. How do we amp this up? It's a uh, puts the omega in orgasm. <laughs> now, you had said that many of the actors look familiar, and they should. This yeah another one you can see he's in the real world right now so he's a greyhound uh but i won't tell you who he is until you see his face maybe you'll know how old are you steve yeah 50 so okay this is you might yes this guy's just a tiny bit before your time though but yeah he was uh you know but my dad was one of those that would yeah would take me to everything we'd watch old stuff so okay so i'm usually pretty good about even the decade or so before me yeah, okay, good. Now, this was a TV show, though, so... Okay. It wasn't, like, Tri-State Area commercial for, like, Levitz or some shit like that. <laughs> right. Me and Mike have in common all the Tri-State Area commercials. Yeah, uh, all the you Broadway know. shows, the Pathmark right. guy. We've seen them all. Crazy the Pathmark guy. Carvel. Right, Fudgy the Whale. Fudgy the Whale. Poor, poor West Coast guys don't have that experience. No, there's not really. Yeah, it doesn't get as local out here in Chicago, where I grew up. We had we had, of course, oh. like the Empire carpets and all that kind of nice. stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Chicago is where you hail from originally. Okay. Yeah, that's the that's the hometown. Was there like a Broadway in Chicago? Like, would you see ads for like a Vita and shit like that? Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There was kind of a yeah downtown theater district, and in fact, that's one of the one of the commercials I always remembered was the Avita one because that was so popular. Oh, buddy. Don't cry for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, didn't we just do a movie and the singer of Evita was in it? Uh, the original singer? Wait, are you talking about Evita? Evita? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just saw it. Maybe it was last week. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, last week was the Clash movie. Right. Last week was the Clash. So it was the week ahead of that. 
which isn't in uh, front of me right now. Well, we don't have any backup episodes going. Uh, no, <laughs> we do not. <laughs> we are recording. Uh, All right. We are in trouble. Yeah. Hey, June 27th, rock and roll. Give it up. <laughs> uh, let's see. We are good until, yeah, June 27th. Yeah. Yeah. That's Man, uh, last during, week. During, the, during lockdown, we recorded like six a week. Yeah, I'll bet. Then, yeah, kind of, you could expand and, yeah. Yeah. Backlog them all. Well, it was good because, you know, we our lives go different directions and there's some times where we can't do it. So we got a backlog. We had a backlog. Now, this is a penguin. This guy is in his tuxedo. He's not a dog. He's a penguin. But we don't know that yet. Is that right or no? No, he's talking about it right oh, now. Okay, just, yeah, through him talking. He's kind of a Klaus Kinski and... Uh, he's in the band. Yeah. John Malkovich angle mixed together. The gay dogs. Oh man, are they going to gas him yet or what? Are they going to inject him? How do they kill these dog puppies? Yes, it's gas. Oh my god. So you got a Hitler guy, Hitler impression, and then okay. they gas the, the ensemble at the end. Now, do you recognize that nose? Do you recognize that face? Yeah, it's the Levitz guy from Chicago. <laughs> That's right. No, it's oh. Huggy Bear. It's Huggy yeah, Bear. Yeah, Huggy Bear from Starskin Hutch, of course, right? Uh, exactly. He was in Sw uh, Swoop, right, Putney? Uh, good question. Good yeah, question. Snoop played it in the movie. It was Snoop, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you're saying Putney Swope, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yes. Listen, I want to criticize the Starsky and Hutch movie very much. It was nothing to do with the TV show. In the TV show, Huggy Bear was not a pimp. Not at all. He was an alcoholic heroin addict bum who was their informant. He was not a pimp. If Snoop Dogg had five minutes to watch a little YouTube clip, he would have seen... Hmm. Wait. So wait a minute. He he didn't. And the TV show Huggy Bear didn't have an iguana and smoke pot like the <laughs> movie version with Snoop Dogg. That's right. Now he was in a lot of black exploitation movies. We we covered Huggy Bear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was in. Guess what? He is Arabic. He is not African American, by the way. Hey, the, the the profile sure kind of looks looks that way, right? Like he does. Yeah. Antonio Fargus is his name. And he was in Putney Swope. Fargus. Cool. Got Related it. to the Fargus from the Fargus incident in A Christmas Story? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But uh, good brain. He was, was in he? Car Wash. He was in Car Wash. Yes, yes. What was the half budget on this this movie? Oh, it's out of control. Yeah. Big, it's the reason why uh, you uh, MGM merged with UA after because of the budget. <laughs> they were so now you see why they're how they're on a train. Yeah. Now yeah. they're back in the cell. It just he does that all the time. It drives me crazy, and I cannot find out budget. And and um, uh, not only can I not find out budget, but Robbie Down Robert Downey's not talking. This guy is not a smart businessman. Now look, okay, I want to say positively about Robert Downey Senior. He was in the army. He played minor league baseball, and he was a Golden Gloves champion. Oh wow. Off off Broadway playwright, all before he was twenty two years old, but he peaked. Okay, yeah, he plateaued. Was he one of those guys who were like ah, no one wants to produce my movie? He well, he, I don't know. He he made a play called the Cup Come Cup Come Uppins, and that's what this is based upon. He would do stuff like that, like. He would do it at a movie theater at midnight. He would do a play. Like, he was that kind of a – I mean, he might as well have been doing fish burgers. He was yeah, that kind of a East, Lower East Side hippie, you know, pot-smoking New York, let's make a movie kind of guy. But um, when he started to have success, he didn't follow it through. Uh, let me try to find it here. You mentioned New York, Carl. Do you recognize any of these locations, like the outside and stuff? 
Yeah, well, outside of the pound, it uh, looks to be. Um, I, I'm not sure. As you know, it's our stomping grounds, having lived there and everything. It looks familiar. I'm not sure what street it is, quite frankly, but yes, it looks familiar. Yeah, full disclosure, I did not live there, but I took the bus from New Jersey over the bridge <laughs> through the tunnel. You never lived in Manhattan. Adam did. Adam lived in Alphabet City. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. In, yeah. Okay, Putney Swope. Okay, after Putney Swope, right, Hollywood came calling. I got offered a couple of things, a big film with Raquel Welch, which made no sense, shot in California. I can't remember the title. It was a famous Gore Vidal book. And then the direct, the interviewer goes, Maya Breckenridge? He goes, yes, that's it. They were going to get that, rid of that director. I said, I haven't read the book. They said, you don't need to. I thought, wait a minute. I don't need to do this. It's going to be a nightmare. Have you seen that movie, Maya Breckenridge? It's an atrocious movie, apparently. It's terrifying. And that's another movie that's on the MGM Network. The MGM Network has that, the Casino Royale from the 60s. This movie, just terrible films that hold up. The payday. Listen, if you were offered the chance to direct a Hollywood film to get taken out to California to get that money, it's just a stepping stone to direct your own stuff. He would have never had a career if he did Myra Breckenridge. That movie was horrifyingly bad. And All right, well, how about this? He was offered another one with Bill Cosby as an ambulance driver. Harvey Keitel is in it. It was called Mother Jugs and Speed. Yeah, that's yeah. a good movie. Anyway, Hollywood came knocking, and he said, nah, he I'm just, just going to drink. He's not tonight. answering the door. Yeah. yeah. He didn't get the door. Well, it's I mean, amazing. he could. Uh, yeah, if he right, could could the could what he what he knew about Maya Breckenridge have been worse than this? Like, like wouldn't you wouldn't he have, wouldn't some someone this avant garde been like, well, I can I could do something with it, or I can do something with it yeah. if he was a creative individual. Yeah. You so, should see the movie. You guys should see the movie if you can. I mean, you can't sit through more than ten minutes of it. Yeah. But if you do, it it is it. Reportedly avant-garde. The guy tries super hard to superimpose like Andy Warhol paintings of Marilyn Monroe and uh, old film clips, and it's basically Rex Reed trans trans. Uh, he becomes a, a Raquel Welch, and uh, oh, interesting. Well, it's a dated movie, and uh, it's just really hard to sit through. And John Huston falls for her. The director plays hmm. uh, a, a Hollywood director. Now we saw Raquel Welsh in A House Is Not a Home. Oh yeah, the prostitution play, the brothel movie. I like that movie. And that was pre her fame. You know, she was not a known star. No, people were coming to see Shelley Winters. They weren't coming to see Raquel Welsh. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, finally we're out, oh. out of the town. I like when the movie gets out of the town, you know? It usually it's just a grind in there. Well, I would like if it got out of the pound and it was real. Hashtag. Now, what we're doing now is singing by the light of the silvery moon. And that's what this whole scene is going to be. It makes no sense. It has no purpose. Look, they're all dressed like Canadian Mounties or something. I like their social media campaign. Hashtag pound. It made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with two hashtags in a row. Yeah. Was it Carl when you you said you've seen this four or five times? Like after the first time, did it? I obviously it doesn't yeah. make sense even even as you're describing it, just how that jumps around. But did it? Um, yes. Did so you have to see it twice till you understood? Like, oh, oh, okay, I see here that that now they've right. gone out and they're not dogs or they're dogs here. Exactly. Like, I mean, it, I can't imagine just one time going through this and understanding what they're they're attempting even. There's confusion as you watch it, and the subtitles, unfortunately, are in Hebrew, so that doesn't help. And, and there's no uh, vowels. There's no vowels under the letters, so I can't read it. That's right. Mike knows Hebrew from uh, I, I know my – it's Olive, Bet, Gimel, Hay, June, July, August, Ooh. September. I know, I know that. I knew 1132. <laughs> That's the first thing I knew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get lost in translation, though. 
I actually watched the, I, I, I went to the end of this video just to see what was on it, and it is an Israeli uh, MGM network, and they have advertisements. Oh, okay. So, they actually have a advertisement for a movie channel, and they play Like a Virgin, not Like a Virgin, Virgin, a version of Like a Virgin. Uh, it's covered by someone else. And there's this woman in romantic, like this 